Now, the last three weeks that I preached was talking about the fire of God, holy fire, and then we talked about fervency in prayer. And uh, we were just down in Sarasota, like Pastor said, for a meeting at Brother Keith Moore's church. And one night he was talking about the power of God. And it just stirred up in me again to talk about the power of God. Aren't you glad that we as believers have a power source that people in the world don't have? God loves everybody, but unless you're born again, you don't know how to hook in to the power of God. And our God is powerful. Our God is awesome. Our God is the God with whom nothing is impossible. So as I was thinking about this message tonight, I got this title from an old hymn. Maybe some of you remember it. We've got the power. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rages, we cannot be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. If I could sing, I'd sing it to you. And then, you know, a lot of times like we sing the choruses. But listen to this one verse of it. It says, for many years now, Satan has tried to stop us, but the church of Jesus is alive and well. Like a mighty army, we keep marching onward, winning every battle with the Lord by our side. We got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord and we cannot be defeated. If we will stay hooked up with the power source. Amen. So I just started looking up scriptures that talk about the power of God. The psalmist David had such great revelation on the power of God. So let's just look at a couple of scriptures that he referred to. In Psalms 59 verse 16 in the Amplified, he says this. But I will sing of your mighty strength and power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy and loving kindness in the morning. For you have been to me a defense, a fortress and a high tower and a refuge in the day of distress. Anybody want to sing with the psalmist David and say, I will sing aloud of your mercy, your loving kindness. You've been my defense. Hallelujah. Your power, your strength belongs unto me. That's something to sing about. That's something to shout about. He was so aware of these wonderful attributes of our father God that he wrote songs about it. He sang of the goodness of of the Lord. I got a question for you. What inspires the songs of your heart? People are singing all the time. Songs are being sung all around the globe right now. Songs are being sung in country western bars. And you know, they're not magnifying God. There's songs being sung that are saying how sad, how sorry, and how broke they are. My girl left me, my dog ran away, and my pickup broke down. I mean, it's a sad day. I'm weak, I'm depressed, I'm busted, and I'm 
disgusted. Oh, you know, people are singing about misery and agony all the time. Unfortunately, some gospel songs have hooked up with that. And they're talking about how defeated we are. How, you know, forgotten we are. How low we are. How beat up we are. No, I will sing of the goodness of my God. I will magnify his strength, his greatness, his power. Hallelujah. Certainly bad times are going to come. But even the psalmist David, he said this. You've been my defense. You've been my fortress. You've been my high tower. And what did he say? You've been a refuge to me in my distress. Certainly we're going to face difficulties, but we don't magnify the difficulties. We magnify the greatness of our God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We got the power in the name of Jesus to defeat any attack of the devil. We're going to live on the victory side. Amen. How about you? You got the victory in the name of Jesus. Yes. And amen. Hallelujah. Then the psalmist goes on over in Psalms 145, verse 10 through 12. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory, of your kingdom, and talk of what? Your power. Our God is powerful. Our God is awesome. Hallelujah. Then verse 12, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. What do his works do? This this verse tells us his works praise him. What are his, his people supposed to do? Praise and bless his name. What are we supposed to talk about? His glory, his power. Hallelujah. How wonderful he is. What are we supposed to do? Make his name known through his mighty acts. You and I are his hands extended. You and I are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Hallelujah. Our lives should be a testimony of the goodness of God. How do we display his power, his strength, his ability? Well, we do it the same way that Jesus did. Over in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. We talked a lot about the Holy Spirit the last time that we were preaching. You can go and read in the book of Acts. I encourage you to do so. Acts 1.8, of course, tells us that when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, till you be filled with the Spirit, with power, with ability, with efficiency and might. So when we get filled, let's go back over there to Acts 10.38. When we get filled... With the Holy Spirit, 
We get filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Same anointing that came upon Jesus comes upon us. The mighty works that Jesus did, he did not do because he was the son of God. When he came to this earth, he stripped himself of the deity side and he became a man. But he was a man anointed. Anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Same anointing, same power that was on him is available to us as believers. You remember before Jesus left this earth, we quoted there and they put it up Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But over in Luke, he said something to his disciples before he left this earth again. And he said in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. This is Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The New King James Version says endued with power from on high. So who sends the power The father, where does it come from heaven? And then he said, you need to be wait, wait until you be endued. So I looked up that word endued in W.E. Bynes. And it says, it means this to be clothed with, to be clothed with. And in this passage, it's used metaphorically a power. Jesus was literally saying, be Clothe with power. Put the power of God on just like you put on clothes. I'm happy to report that everybody in here tonight is clothed. It would not be good if somebody wasn't. We wouldn't think about going outside our door not clothed. That would not be a good thing to go out naked. But many Christians leave their house on a regular basis naked spiritually. They don't put on the full armor of God. They aren't endued with the power of God. And when you go out to face the things in the world on a daily basis, not properly clothed, you're going to be susceptible to the elements and to the attacks. If people go out in really, really cold weather and they maybe have on a pair of gym shorts and a tank top and no shoes, they're going to get, they're going to be affected by the elements because they're not properly clothed. But you and I, as believers, Jesus said, be endued, put on the garment of praise and put on the clothing of power. Amen. Everybody say, I got the power in the name of Jesus. I got the power in me and the power's flowing through me. If the early disciples, like Jesus was talking to, 
at the beginning of the church age needed to be endued with this power from on high. Do you think that we, at the end of this age, the same church, they were the beginning, we're at the end. Do you think we might need the power? I think we need the power more than they needed the power. They were starting off, but we are finishing up. The church age is kind of like a relay race. They started it off. They handed off the baton to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. And here we are at the end. I've never run a race, but I've watched a few. And I know that they like to put the fastest runners at the end. So if they get in trouble and they need to make up some time, they know they can count on that person. Can God count on us? Hallelujah. Are we going to run our race and are we going to finish our course with joy? Are we going to do it not by might, not by our own natural power, but are we going to do it in the strength of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of might, the spirit of ability, leaning not to our own understanding, but acknowledging him in all of our ways, glory to God, letting him direct our path, letting him set our feet on the right course. How many of you are believers in this place tonight? Well, then we've got a heavenly helper. He wants to help us in this day and in this hour. It's our responsibility. Just like you got to clothe yourself. We got to take what's been given to us and say, I'm going to receive that. I'm going to walk in that. There is no such thing as God without power. Bible says God is love, but God is also power. There shouldn't be a powerless believer. But unfortunately, too many believers fall into that category. Satan can't keep keep people from being born again when people hear the word of God and they say, yeah, that's the truth. I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. He can't stop people from being translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He doesn't have the power. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. The gates of hell can't keep a believer, a person from coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But when people do get born again, then his next trick is he likes to keep people in the dark. He likes to keep Christians powerless and defeated and from finding out who we are in Christ Jesus. Being born again is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. But being born again is not supposed to be the end of our spiritual journey. It's just the beginning. There's so much more. People, too many Christians are just happy. Say, well, I'm saved. I got my fire insurance. I know I'm not going to hell. Glory to God. But you know, I know that I'm going to have to live hell on earth. No. Jesus wants us to have days of heaven upon the earth. That's why he gave us a helper. 
That's why he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost. Didn't he tell his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another one, a better one, a comforter, a counselor. What's one of his other attributes? Strengthener. The one that gives you power, that gives you might, your standby, your intercessor, your counselor. I'm going to send him that he'll be with you forever. But there's too much of the church world that says, nah, we don't need the Holy Spirit. We need the power. Not just to be a witness, but to live an overcoming Life. Let me ask you this question. If you had, you know, we got five acres here, but what if this was all green grass and you had to, somebody said to you, Pastor Mark said, I want you as under the Lord to go out there and mow five acres of land. And he gave you a little hedge clipper (laughs) to do it. That's going to take some time. And I know you love your pastor. I know you love Jesus and you do your best to do it. It might take you weeks. By the time you finished it here, the grass will be growing over there again. So what if he came out and he says, okay, I want you to mow these five acres. And he gave you a little push mower. Well, that's better than a hedge clipper, but it's still going to take you a long time to do five acres. But what if he said, I want you to mow these five acres. And this will be a sight to see. Pastor came riding up on a John Deere. (laughs) Riding lawnmower. (laughs) Yeehaw. Great big green. I like John Deere's. Great big green riding lawnmower. And he said, I want you to mow the five acres. You'd be going, snap. That's going to be done. Woohoo. And I'm going to have fun doing it. What made the difference? The power of the equipment that you've been given. Too many of the church are happy with little hedge clippers or at the most a little push lawnmower. When God's saying, hey, I got a John Deere riding lawnmower right here. There's a lot of power under the hood to get the job done. That's what we've been given. All the equipment, the tools, the power necessary to live an overcoming life. But not just live an overcoming life, but to be carriers of this power. Everybody take your hands like this and say, God lives in this body. These hands are his hands extended. The power of God is in these hands. When I lay hands, these hands on the sick, they recover because of the anointing and the power of God residing in me. Here I am, Lord. Let me be your vessel. I'll be your instrument of power. Hallelujah. You know, we have faith 
in the love of God. How many of you know God loves you? We've got faith in his precious word. These promises are ours. Well, we ought to have that same kind of faith in his power and his ability to perform what he said he would do. He said believers are going to lay hands on the sick. He said that we are going to be his witnesses to our neighbors, to our city, to our state, to our nation. That's what we're called to do. A witness is one that gives proof. Hallelujah. When we get God involved and we believe what he said, there are no limits to what can be accomplished. Barriers are broken. Yokes are destroyed. Burdens are removed when we activate the power of God. Luke 1.37 in the Amplified. I know these are all very familiar scriptures tonight. But is your faith getting built up? We got the power in the name of Jesus. Luke 1.37 in the Amplified says... For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be what? Without power or impossible of fulfillment. There's not one word that he has spoken to us in his word or a promise that he's given you. That's without power. God's word It's powerful. The Bible says it's quick. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's alive. Hallelujah. And it's impossible not to be fulfilled. The word of God will not return unto him void. Hallelujah. Woo. No word from God shall be Without power. Has God spoken to you about anything? You got some dreams on the inside of you? You got something on the stirring within you that God said, you know, I want you to do this. I want you to be my mouthpiece. That word that was spoken to you, that rhema word that was made alive in your heart, the power It's still there. The power is working to bring that to pass. It's on our end now to keep it activated, to keep it stirred up. You know, people will cry out and they'll say, oh, Lord, send the power. Lord, I need power over fear. I need power over disease or power over temptation. The power is here. The power has come because God is here and the power is here in you. If Jesus is your Lord, you got the power, you got the ability right here on the inside of us. But we have to learn how to activate it. Just think about this. God is so powerful. That even creation declares his glory. 
His majesty, His magnificent. The earth, even though it's in a fallen state, we can still see the power of God in creation. People that don't even believe that there is a God, how can they look up into the heavens and wonder if there is God? And wonder who created this. It has to be God. The stars. The heavens. The beautiful clouds. The sunset. Last night when we were flying home. We looked out the window. And we, it was a kind of turbulent. But we got up above those clouds. And up above those clouds. is beautiful. The sun started going down. Shining on those clouds. The heavens. Declare. The glory of the Lord. Everything that God has created has got his handprint on it. His creation is awesome. Even if people didn't know that there was a God, they could just say, whoa, somebody created this. Somebody had to do this. The ocean, just think about it. We were by the ocean and it is always, it's so relaxing. Those waves that hit up on the beach. How that all the oceans, how many oceans are there? Four or five oceans on this planet. And every single one of them have a boundary. Unless there's a horrible storm, they don't go past their boundary. Think about that. They hit the shore at night. The tide comes in. They come up to a certain point and goes right back. Even the vast oceans tell me God did this. My father is the creator. He's the creator of all. Over in Psalms again, I love the book of Psalms, but Psalms 8 verse 3 in the New King James. This is what David said. When I consider... Your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained. The next verse, we didn't, weren't going to read it, but it, then it talks about who is man. Who's man? When you did all of this, but yet you wanted to create, you needed to create a man. God made the heavens... With his fingers. The fingers are not the strongest part of our body. You know, kids like to do this. Here, Pastor Kimberly, let me see your pinky. You know, a pinky wrestle. I win. But our pinkies, our fingers are not the strongest part of our body. People don't walk around boasting of, look how strong my fingers are. You know, men like to show off their guns or whatever you call them, their muscles, but they're not walking around. I got a really strong pinky right here. But yet this says that God is so powerful. He's so mighty that he created the heavens with his fingers, the moon and the stars, which is his fingers. Woo. What do you think he could do if he really wanted to do something? Well, he did do something. Our moon, our stars that we see is just part of this vast, vast, vast universe that's still creating itself, still expanding. 
That's how mighty God is. We don't worship creation. We worship the creator. We look at this marvelous creation and we say, oh, my father did this. Woo. I worship you, God, the creator of all things. We marvel at how awesome our planet is, even in its fallen state. But let me tell you this. Earth is not your mother. We don't worship Mother Earth. We can't save Mother Earth. It's good to recycle your little plastics and, you know, do what you can to be kind to the environment. But the day is coming when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So don't get on any campaign to save Mother Earth. Just a little side thought there. We worship the creator, not the creation. And another thing that God put into this planet that is a reflection of heaven. So much on this planet is a reflection of what we're going to see in heaven. Woo! Just in its, in its unfallen state. The colors, the flowers that we think are so beautiful here will pale in comparison to the flowers, the beauty of heaven. But it is sort of a replica of heaven. And there is a power in this earth called electricity. Electricity is God's power in the natural. It reveals many things about the power of God. Do you know the power of electricity has always been here in the earth? Lightning's always been here. It's always rained somewhere. Lightning's been here. But people on earth did not know how to conduct that electricity for centuries. They sat in the dark. They had dinner by candlelight and not because they were trying to be romantic. They didn't have a light switch. They had ugly hair because they didn't have blow dryers and curling irons. Thank God for electricity. Let's all lift our hands and just thank God for electricity. (laughs) Thank God for Thomas Edison. He wasn't the actual one that invented the light bulb, but he, he started that process. And he said, I mean, he couldn't figure it out. He kept trying and trying. He said, I haven't failed. I only found 10,000 ways that it didn't work. Thank God somebody found the way. And we got lights. But electricity has always been present. We have to flip the switch to enjoy the benefits. Whoever was the first person in here tonight, was it you? PT's anyway. He's here first time a lot. It was dark in here until they flipped the switch and activated the power. We can sit in our house in the dark all day long and wonder why we don't have any light. Duh. Turn the switch on. Or you can get up in the morning and you can stare at your coffee pot 
or your curic, whichever it is, and say, oh, I need Jehovah Java. Jehovah Java, come to me now. I need Jehovah Java. But if you don't turn on the coffee pot or the curic machine, guess what? You're not going to hear the drip, 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 not of Folgers, the drip, drip, drip of Pete's in your cup. Till you activate the power. It's saying when it comes to tapping in to the power of God. Power of God is present. Power is available. But it's not automatic. Think about the gospels many times where Jesus preached. It said the power of the Lord was present to heal. But not very many got healed. There's one account when he was preaching in the synagogue and the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were all there. But this is what the Bible says over in Mark chapter six, verse four. But Jesus said to them, because they weren't receiving the power of the Lord was being preached because he was speaking the word. It was there. It was in the atmosphere. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands on a few sick folks and he healed them. And verse 6 says this, and Mark 6, 6, and he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching the power was there but they stopped the flow of it because of their unbelief the power of god is just as real as electricity it will flow through some objects and it won't through others the power of god flows freely into and through some people but others Not so much. Objects stopped the flow of power. Did you know that there are objects in the natural that do not make good conductors of electricity? Learn this from Brother Moore. Hard rubber and dry wood are not good conductors of electricity. Well, there's some hard rubber and there's some dry wood that are not good conductors of the power of God. And it was the religious leaders of the day. Jesus was preaching the power of the Lord was there. But hard rubber and dry wood was stopping the flow of the power of God. And he could only lay hands on a few people with minor ailments. There was a few brave people that had a little bit of faith in their heart that he could lay hands on but mostly hard rubber and dry wood was present you know what else about electricity the best object to be a conductor for electricity is gold didn't know that gold is awesome at conducting electricity What does the Bible say about our faith? It says our faith is more precious than gold. (laughs) So that tells us that faith is a conductor for the power of God. 
faith is what releases and activates the power of God into sick bodies, into your situation, into your circumstance. How many of you in here tonight have got faith? You got faith in our God. You got faith in his power and in his ability. Hallelujah. Well, then we're going to conduct some power of God in this place tonight. Are you with me? Faith, more precious than gold. Faith releases the power of God and causes it to flow. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet and let's just in the name of Jesus, we are believing to see some manifestations here.